So I, I, have, a, I have a confession to make. In 1986, I was a senior at Valdosta State College. It was a long time ago, Valdosta State College, and I was living far from God, far from the principles of the kingdom, far from grace, and was basically destroying my life. My brother had been born again in a Holy Ghost meeting with Dr. Mark Rutland, and God told him to move in with me and begin to witness to me. And so we lived in a little apartment over here in Remerton, right, right a couple blocks from the mall, and he just witnessed to me, and I, I wouldn't listen to him. I antagonized him and pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. You see, but he knew something that I didn't know. That the love of Jesus Christ is the most powerful force in the galaxy. And he kept loving on me and talking to me. And on November 2nd, 1986, on the Lakeland Highway, somewhere between here and Waycross, my hometown, I pulled the car over and... Had, surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and became a Christ follower. But here's the confession I have to make. I didn't understand what that meant. I mean, I knew that my sins were forgiven. I knew that I had moved from death to life. I knew that I had a place in the kingdom of God. I knew that I was now a son, no longer a servant. And I knew that I had inherited, but I didn't understand everything about life because I thought that Jesus died on the cross to take away all my problems. And I thought, you know, because that's what they said on television, right? That I wasn't going to have any more problems. You know, if you buy the right toothpaste, if you wear the right clothes, if you listen to the right gospel message, then you won't have any problems. But I found out something, that problems happen in life. And I don't know if it happened to me like it did to you, but I got disillusioned a little bit with the message of the gospel when I started having problems in my life. You know, bills, broken appliances. Broken relationships, a little trouble. I thought, God, I, I'm yours now. Why, do I, why am I having these kind of problems? And then I read the book of James. James is a manual for maturity. James, is, Beth says this, Pastor Beth says this, is that the book of James will hurt your feelings if you're being carnal. And here's our text today. If you'd like to stand back up with me to honor God's word, we could do that together. Having a little church aerobics this morning, it's good for you, amen. I'm going to read you verses 2 through 6. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many of you want to lack nothing? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him or her ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Just hold your Bible and put your hand on your heart and let's pray together. Father, this morning, Lord, I thank you that you have met us here. Lord, that we've already sang it together. We've already said that when the rains fall... And when the wind blows, our faith is based on you. Our heart is set on you. You're our firm foundation. Lord, we meant it when we sang it. Now help us know what we said when we sang it. We're believing for the revelation of the Holy Ghost 
to illuminate the Word of God and to teach us this morning how to make our problems work for us and not against us. And we're believing you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. See, because in church sometimes people have a backwards definition of maturity. Have you ever met a crusty saint, you know, the ones baptized in prune juice and sprinkled with lemons, you know what I'm talking about, sister and brother frowny. And when we're starting to get our church on, you know, they're all, and you ask them why, they're like, we're mature. No, no, maturity is to have both the wisdom and the passion of Christ, amen? I I want to be like King David. I want to be worse tomorrow when it comes to getting my praise on. Because I understand how good he is to me and what he's done for me and how he's moved me. See, to be mature is to be full grown or ripe, is to be fully developed, is to be perfected. It's like, how many of you might have a CD in the bank? It means when it's mature, it's due. It's come to fullness. It's ready for you to make a withdrawal on. That's what we're looking at today is that how to make our problems work for us. So if you're a note taker, I'm going to make it real easy for you. You ready? So here's, they're all peace. Here's the first one. You ready? Here's how we can make our problems work for us. Number one is to realize that problems are promised. Listen, James, hear, hear what James says. Verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Notice he doesn't say if, he says when. See, and he's echoing the words of Jesus in John 16. Jesus said, I've told you this so that you'll have your peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, if you ask the wrong question, you'll always get the wrong answer. Let me say that again. If you ask the wrong question, you'll always get the wrong answer. So if your question is why, why is this happening to me? Oh, God, help me. Why? What did I do? I don't deserve this. Then you're going to get the wrong answer. The better question is, God, who do you want to be to me in this moment? How do you want to reveal your son to me, in me, and through me? How do you want to release grace in my life for me to walk in my sonship? You see, because sons and daughters inherit. We inherit what God has given us. We don't earn. Come on, y'all. You see, when we move back to works, then we're like servants that we're trying to earn something. I don't live for favor. I live from favor. I don't live for peace. I live from peace. I don't live for blessing. I live from blessing. Come on, and you do too. See, but we have to understand this, that problems are going to come. Problems don't mean that you're not saved. Someone said this, if you, don't, if you don't butt heads with the devil sometimes, you might be walking in the same direction. See, problems and issues and trials prove that we're God's. John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Then, then watch what the next phrase, because we, we like to separate these. But Jesus said, also, the thieves come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So killing, stealing, and destroying, that comes from the enemy. He's the one that brings problems. He's the one that brings those issues. I love the, the, this verse because he says, My brothers, count it all joy when you enter into various trials. What kind of trials? Big trials? Little trials? Yes. The Greek word there for various is pokalitis. It's where we get the word polka dot. It means various sizes. So he says, well, I don't want to bring my little trials to the Lord because, you know, it's too little. Listen, if your God can be bothered, he's not the God of the Bible. 
He wants it all. He wants us to give him everything in our life and come to him as sons and daughters and rest and receive the finished work of Jesus. Amen? That's good news. I'm not striving. I don't feel... See, we've got to change our mindset. If we're going to live from grace, then we've got to change our mindset when bad things happen. We can't say, oh God, what did I do? How are you switching me? What are you doing to me? No, 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 no. You might be receiving the natural fruit of your action. If you plant an orange seed, you're not going to get a lemon tree. But that's not punishment from God. 1 John 4.18 says there is no punishment in love because perfect love casts out all fear. So I'm going to learn that when problems come, it's because we live in a fallen world. It's because, it's because Adam and the woman rebelled against God. But here's the good news. If brokenness come through one man's sin, then redemption, peace, and sanctification come through one man's obedience. And his name is Jesus. Amen? So promise or problems are promised. Now here's the second thing. This is good news. Everybody say good news. Your problems are part of the process. See, we love promises, but we don't like the process to get to the promise. We Americans love, whoa, 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 watch this, watch this. We love weddings, but we hate marriage. Yeah, that's how you get bridezillas. Come on, y'all. That's why you get people that'll spend $100,000, a million dollars on a wedding, but won't pay $35 for premarital counseling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? But see, problems are part of the process. You don't get King David without a Goliath. See, you don't get Joseph. Joseph doesn't get to the palace if he first doesn't have the pit and the prison. We go through the process to get to the promise. Now see, listen, listen, listen. Here's what that means. Don't spend the rest of your life trying to avoid problems. Let that just sink on you a little bit. It's one of the big deals going on now. Listen, I, I, one of the things I do besides preach is I also do some leadership coaching with Chick-fil-A. And if there's one thing that's marking every generation, my generation and younger, it's that we run from problems. We run from conflict. We run from difficulty. But see, listen, when you know who you are, then you run through difficulty. You don't just stop at the border. Because it's the part of the process that's perfecting you. Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews 10, 35 says this. And do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. Everybody say endurance. Endurance, for after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. After you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. After you have done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. I need somebody to hear me. For yet a little while... And he who's coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back to perdition, but we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. The book of Numbers in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew title of that book is In the Wilderness. Because in the wilderness, in the lonely place, in the dry place, in the difficult place, when we walk with him in obedience, then he wants to give us an 11-day journey into the promised land. But when we walk in disobedience, when we walk in, in not knowing this part of the process, it ends up to be a 40-year journey through pain. I'd lot sure to take 11 days over 40 years, wouldn't you? You see, but we have to not shrink back. We have to walk in obedience and walk through 
See, the degree of the problems that you walk through, the degree of the problems you solve is the degree of the anointing you're going to carry. Sometimes people forfeit the anointing because they shrink away from difficulties. Listen, you'll never know if you have a marriage ministry if you give up at the first day of trouble. Listen, if there was ever, and Beth and I are privileged, we get to do marriage conferences and marriage ministries and marriage mentoring all over the country, and we get to talk about it all over the world. And part of the reason is it's because our marriage was doomed from the beginning in the natural. I had lived selfishly like a frat boy over on Georgia Avenue and wasted so much of my freedom and my peace in women, wine, and song. And Beth came from a family that her mom was married four times and her dad was married four times. See, people wouldn't have given us a plug nickel for our marriage, but by the grace that we'd received, we kept on walking. You see, you got to know that problems are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. And in your marriage, in your relationships, you're two different people. You speak different languages, even though it sounds like English. But you have to persevere. You've got to walk through, and grace will carry you through. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that carries you through. You say, Listen, well, brother, it sounds like works. No, 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 no. It's works when you think you've earned something. Grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. There's nothing I can add to the finished work of the cross. Amen? But because I received grace, I can get up and put my shoes on and keep on walking. Come on, y'all. You've got to know this. You've got to know that difficulties are going to come. Matter of fact, I want to prophesy to somebody right now. There's someone that has a very complex issue, complex problem in your life right now. And I want to say this to you, by the grace of God and by the Spirit of the living God, the Lord told me to tell you that if you'll keep walking and keep your eyes on Him, there is a simple solution He's going to deposit and download into you, and it's going to solve that issue. Don't give up. Amen? Problems are promised. Problems are part of the process. Number three, this is good news. Problems produce. Problems will produce for you if you will let them. If you'll make Listen to this, this is a hard word. If you'll make problems your partner and not your adversary. Now, I don't mean go around creating problems. That means you're the problem. <laughs> come on, y'all. But I mean when they come. James 1, 3 and 4. Listen to what it says. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces. See, this isn't Eddie. This is James preaching to us. Your problems produce patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, we need to look at as our problems as our partners because they produce three things. You ready? First, problems will purify your faith. Problems will purify your faith. Verse 3 says the testing of your faith. It's the example of, listen, ready? Of a tea bag in hot water. You don't know what kind of faith you have until it's dunked in some hot water. It might be an unmarked tea bag, but when you put it in some hot water, then it's going to show you what you really have. Now, I would never say this, and I know you wouldn't, but how many of you know somebody, they'd say, well, I just cussed them out because they made me. I just had to give them a salute in traffic because of the way they were driving. They just forced me. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Listen, listen. Problems, problems, problems reveal who you are. It reveals who you are. First Peter 1, 
And this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while, that if you need be, you have been grieved by various trials. There's that word again, various. That the genuineness of your faith, much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, it would be found to the praise and the honor and the glory at the revelation of Jesus. So problems will purify your faith. Problems will show you how much you're trusting in you and your ability to produce and how much you're resting in the finished work of the cross. See, if you look back and go, what did I do wrong? See, listen, I find this to be true. If I don't take so much credit for my successes, I won't take so much blame for my failures. Number two, problems produce patience. Have you ever heard this? Somebody say, don't pray for patience because you'll get problems. Listen, problems are coming if you like it or not. You might as well pray for patience. Verse 3, faith produces patience. I love this. In the Greek word, it's a fun, fun Greek word. Everybody say it with me. Hupomone. Just when you get home, if your spouse sitting here today, when you get home, walk in and say, hupomone. Hupomone. Hupomone means this. Hupo means under, under. And money means to abide. It means to abide under. See, when you're a patient, you're abiding under the grace of God. You're abiding under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty is what Psalm 91 says. But you're also able to abide under the circumstances without going under. Because you know that it is not of your final destination. Problems are not your destination. They're just a click point on the route. In the New Testament, patience is the characteristic of a man who is unswayed from his deliberate purpose in life in his loyalty and faith to Jesus. It's how Stephen, when he was being stoned, could look up and say, I see the heavens opened. It's how Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem. It's how Paul said, I must go to Rome. It's how the saints of old know that their calling is not deterred by the problems of their life. And what, I just want to say to you, what's your Rome today? What's your Jerusalem? What's that thing that you know God's called you to do? What's that burning thing inside of you that you will not let go of? See, faith will move you to that thing, and problems will just make you know you're on the right destination. They produce. You see, you've got to hear this. That when these things come to you, you got to tell yourself, I got this. We got this together, Jesus. This is, God, you're trying to give me an upgrade. Come on, come on, come on. Here's what I'm trying to get you to do is not give up in the day of adversity. you got to look at it as an upgrade. What's God doing in you? He's producing patience. He's producing joy. He's purifying your faith. He's causing that word that you've received to blossom and bloom inside of you. He's got you. See, it's an opportunity for me to learn to fall back into the arms of grace and rest in him and trust in him and not strive to trust him more than myself and trust him more than the people around me. How do you know if you're walking in that? When things go wrong, do you get mad at you and mad at everybody around you? Amen or oh me? See, that's one of those moments that we've got to say, Jesus, what are you doing right now? Jesus, what are you leading me through? Jesus, and if it's the enemy, we resist him and he must flee, amen? I'm not saying you've got to swallow everything that comes your way. Come on now. But I'm also telling you that the enemy is the, is the Lord's devil, and he's on a short leash. Come on, come on, come on. And we don't have to receive what he's bringing, but we can 
mine it for our good. That's what Romans 8, 28 says, right? We know that, come on, come on, some things, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. See, whatever happens in your life, God's going to turn it for your good and for his glory. Come on, y'all. See, I wish social media would understand that. I know you never see it, but some people on Facebook would rather have the sympathy of people than the comfort of the Lord. Number three, underneath what it produces, is that problems produce our character. That you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What's that word perfect there? In the ancient language, it doesn't mean sinless. Here's what it means, because there's only one sinless, amen? It's the word teleos. It means complete, to completion. It's like where we get the English word telescope. See, I can see something further. I can see me down the line. I can see where I'm going to be when I get through the end of this process. And I like me better over there than I do right here. Come on, y'all. That I know that in the future it doth not yet appear what I shall be, but when he appears I will be like him, for I will see him as he is. He's transforming me from glory unto glory unto glory as I behold him. I don't have to stay the way that I was. Because, listen, this isn't a self-help course because you can't use Jesus like a crutch because he's, a, he's not a crutch. He's not something you add to your life. The gospel of grace isn't that he makes bad people good. It's that he makes dead people alive. Come on, y'all. Amen? And see, that's what it means to fall back in his arms of grace and let him carry us to the end. See, problems will either make you or they break you, but let, i got a good news for you. You grow through what you go through. Our sister was talking about, you know, help me, help me, help me. We should say help me on the beginning. Here's what Beth has, Beth has adapted that a little bit, which I believe that completely. I'm not correcting you. But Beth has adapted it to say this, not just help me, but have me. <laughs> Come on, y'all. He knows how to take care of that which is his. Yeah, you take care of your Ford, he'll take care of you. Come on, y'all, you know what I'm talking about? He is going to take care of you. Trust the process. Trust the process. Sometimes elevation requires separation. Separating you from old habits, old, old sometimes old friends. Mm-hmm. Separating you from Job's friends. Job couldn't get the double portion as long as he was talking with the naysayers. Amen. Well, how do we, how do we handle our problems then? So those are the benefits. So those are the benefits, right? Is that it, it produces, it's promised, and that it's part of the process. Well, then how do we milk our problems? You ready? Four R's, real quickly. Number one, number one, number one. This is right out of the book. Number one, you ready? Or reframe it. The first way to make your problems work for you is to reframe it. Here's what James says, verse 2, go back. He says, consider it all joy. What if instead of saying, oh me, we said amen when we begin to see these things? See, consider, some, uh, King James says reckon, reckon it all joy, consider it all joy. It's like an accounting term. It means move it from a liability to an asset. I want to reframe this. See, listen, listen. How you finish a situation a lot of times starts, depends on where you start. 
Here's what I mean. If you look at God as your good father that's provided everything for life and godliness in Christ Jesus, then you're going to march through it. But if you look at him as a cruel teacher and a judge that's trying to teach you something, that's trying to break you, that's trying to give you what you deserve, then you're going to come out of it broken. Amen? Because you don't understand God. You're going to bury your talent in that moment and say, I thought that you were a cruel master. See, that's a fearful response rather than a faith response. The faith response reframes it. Again, I've already said it. I'm going to say it one more time. Romans 8, 28. Now, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Number one, reframe. Number two, you ready? Rejoice. Rejoice. Consider, verse two, consider it all joy. If it's an upgrade to my life, then joy should be my response. I don't know what's going to be good on the other side of this, but I know it's good because I know God's word is true. Amen? Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. See, listen, joy is what you feel, rejoice is the action you take before you feel joy. Now, you can rejoice when you feel joy, but rejoicing is a choice. See, problems come, situations come, you're sitting beside the road because your car has died, you just got to go ahead and do one of these. What's happening? I don't know yet. <laughs> but I'm reframing it, and I'm counting it joy, and I'm going to rejoice. Can I give you an example out of the Bible? Y'all okay with your Bible? Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in the lower part of the Philippian jail. You know, the part where the sewage runs, the part where the rodents are, the part where they're shackled in, their backs are open from being whipped. The Bible says that about midnight, this is the Eddie Revised Version. Are y'all okay? Paul looks over at Silas, he says, I feel a hallelujah coming on. <laughs> they begin to lift their voices and sing. The Bible says that the, the Lord is the heavens of the heavens belong to the earth, to the Lord, and the earth is his full footstool. God just began to tap his foot. Those prison bars came open. Amen. You see, you reframe it, you rejoice in it. Now listen, I'm not saying it's easy, I'm saying it's a choice. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at... All times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. You see, joy, joy and rejoicing is a response, not a reaction. It's a response, not a reaction. See, you choose your responses. Remember going to the pediatrician when you were a little person, or if you got a little person there sitting beside you, and one of the things they'd have you do is cross your knees, they'd take that little hammer and tap your knee. To see if you had the right reaction. You see, animals react, but people have the freedom by the grace of God to choose a response. Amen. See, when you choose your response, that gives you the ability to have responsibility. Darwin thought wants you to think you're an animal so you don't have any responsibility. But you are not an animal. You are made in the image of God Almighty, the Imago Dei, and you have the grace of God on you and the freedom in the Holy Ghost to choose what's right. And we choose to rejoice. Amen? Third thing, reframe, rejoice. Number three, request wisdom. Request wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Well, what is wisdom? Wisdom is not just the accumulation of knowledge and experience, but wisdom is both a gift from God and the character from God that can be developed in you. 
That's why we have the book of Proverbs. That's why I wrote this book is because I want you to grow in wisdom. See, the, the Hebrew word for wisdom is the word chokmah. Everybody say chokmah. You got to have a little ah back here when you say it. Chokmah. Here's what chokmah is. Chokmah was first used in the Old Testament to, des- to define the artisans that built the tabernacle, that built the curtains, that built the gold, that built the beautiful things. So here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is living in the power of the Holy Ghost, and it's the art of living well. Man, by the grace of God. Everybody say, give me wisdom. See, listen, when you go through problems, reframe it that it's going to work for your good. Rejoice because Jesus is Lord and he's on the throne, and then ask God to give you wisdom for it to shape into something beautiful in your life. For him to cause it to be something that brings honor and glory to God. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let that man ask without wavering. God is going to give you wisdom. So you've got to believe the word of God more than you do that parent that wounded you, more than the teacher, that coach, the person who told you you were nothing, you'd never amount to anything. They were a lie, but God was telling the truth. Come on, y'all. You need to hear that today. You need to drown out those old voices by the grace of God. Let the word of God flush those things out of your life and let you believe that you can receive the wisdom of God. You say, well, I'm not very smart. Yeah, but he is. I don't have many degrees. Yeah, but he does. He wants to bring you his wisdom, supernatural wisdom that's greater than you've ever had. See, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge will blow you away if you trust God that he wants to give it to you. How many of you in here are born again? How many in here are baptized with the Holy Ghost? Well, then you have access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to begin to desire those things. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, but desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You say, don't just say I'm open to them. Hey, if I was open to marriage, I'd still be single. I'm more than open. I desired to be married, and now I desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Supernatural wisdom beyond what you can know. Beth and I were ministering in a camp one time. I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want to heal somebody of diverticulitis. I didn't even know what it was. I looked it up in my phone after we prayed for the person. Come on, y'all. But God healed them because he didn't need my permission to give me wisdom that I didn't know, to give me knowledge I don't know. He doesn't need your permission. What he wants is to partner with you, though. He wants you to invite him in. And see, your problems might mean that he's got a better solution that you can't come up with on your own, but he's your senior partner, and he wants to give it to you. Amen? See, I don't know how to solve the problems of the economy. I don't know how to solve the problems that are going all around me, but I know that a Spirit-filled army of God that's receiving from the Lord, receiving from the Word, receiving from His wisdom, that we are the solution. Amen? And it starts with just one relationship, one smile, one handshake, one person walking across the aisle, one person bridging the gap, one person looking at someone in the eye and saying, I love you and I care for you. See, that's a revolution. You see, I want the Holy Ghost. I want to shake, rattle, and roll. I want all the gifts. I want to fall down. I want to stand up. I want to fall down. I want all the good stuff. But you know what? When I get up, I want to be different. I want to carry the wisdom of the Lord and the love of God because I'm believing for revival. 
I don't just mean awakening in our houses and awakening in our church. I mean revival that's running the streets, y'all. Revival that will transcend, revival that will change Lowndes County, revival that will change Georgia, that will change America, that will sweep to the nations. The great billion-soul harvest before the return of the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. And then finally, we don't just reframe it, rejoice in it, and request, but here's the last thing we do. We rest in His goodness. Everybody take a deep breath. Just rest in Him. Rest in what He said. Listen to what verses 6 through 8 say. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let that man not suppose he would receive anything from the Lord, for he's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. You see, when I ask in faith, then I rest and wait on him for his response. I rest in his goodness. I rest in his truth. I rest in his faithfulness. Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he that's began a good work in you is doing what? What is he? Faithful to complete it. Man, I don't know all that my troubles are bringing to my life, but I know that my eyes are locked on him, that he's bringing me through it, and those things are producing in me so I can rest in him. I can enter into the Shabbat, the Sabbath of God, the finished work that Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That same word, teleos, that's exactly what he meant. He's finished. He's finished it for you. He's finished it for me. And your works add nothing to it. As a matter of fact, they prove that you don't know what he's already done. Let me give you an example. I go to a restaurant every once in a while. I go to one of those restaurants where the server brings me a check, a ticket. And sometimes when I'm there, because we've ministered all over the place, someone will get my ticket ahead of time and pay it. And the server will come up to me and say this. They'll say, I'm sorry, um, your ticket's already been paid. Now, what if I was to stand up and stomp my feet? That's not right. <laughs> I ate those pole beans, and I deserve to pay for them. I feel guilty because I slept last night, and I jogged this morning, so I should pay for those pole beans. Get me my ticket right now. My Uncle Fred said I'd never amount to anything. Get me that ticket. I need to pay for it. I'm going to prove to him that I'm somebody. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? No, I might be sitting still on the outside, but on the inside I'm going, oh, thank you, Lord. Hey, hey, listen, I'm resting in the fact that the ticket's already been paid. Hey, 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 hey. Listen, no matter what you're going through right now, you can rest in the fact that the ticket's already been paid. That the blood of Jesus has paid the price. Amen? And that we just receive. We receive from what he has done. We can rest in him. What's that do? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we'll reap if we don't lose heart. You're going through a process right now, but it's producing in you. Don't give up. Don't grow faint. Keep requesting wisdom. Reframe the problem. Rest in him. Amen. See, he's not asking us to do anything he didn't do, and he's inside of us. And will you trust him? Will you trust him today? Here's what happens when we do James 1.12. Skip all the way to 
God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation, for afterwards they will receive the crown of life that he's promised to those who love him. God's got a crown for you. He's got a crown. He's got a crown in eternity, and he wants to crown you with his goodness now. We're the people of God, and we carry the most important message in the galaxy. You know what it sounds like? Not you're damned, doomed, and going to hell. It sounds like this. You're forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And all you have to do is receive the gift. Amen? The Bible says that, that if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? He's invited us into this relationship with him and circumstances don't determine who I am. God's word does. Amen? And so when adverse circumstances come into my life, I'm going to reframe them. I'm going to say, whoa, whoa, this is producing something. I'm going to rejoice in the goodness of God. I'm going to request wisdom. And then I'm going to rest in the finished work. Amen? Stand on your feet all over the room. Stand on your feet. You might have difficulties in your life today, and I'm not making light of your difficulties. But I do want to announce to you the good news. He's with you. You are not alone, beloved. You are not alone, brother. You're not alone, sister. And the things that the enemy's trying to use to break you, God's going to turn for your good to make you, to advance you, to grow you, to cause you to prosper. Amen? Hear the promise of the Lord, Jeremiah 29, that he gave to, listen, to his children in captivity. They're in captivity in Babylon. And this is what he says to them. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's good news, amen? And that's ours today. Could I pray for us before I turn the service back over to Johanna? Just all over the room right now. Father, right now we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, you've promised us that in this world you will have trouble. But rejoice, for you have overcome the world. James said to count it all joy. So right now we choose joy. Say out loud, I choose joy. When I'm choosing joy, when I don't understand, when it doesn't make sense, when my problems are bigger than what I'm going through, I thank you that they're not bigger than my God. When I don't have the answers, I thank you that you are the answer. Lord, so I pray for my friends this morning, Grace Point. I pray for their families. I pray for their co-workers and loved ones, people in their room and people not in the room, that your grace would be sufficient this morning and that your love would bubble up inside of each one of us, that despair and fear would flee and run away. Lord, that your peace that passes all understanding would flood every person here today in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would receive strength from the word of God today. That you would know if God is for you, Romans 8, 31, who can be against you? You would know that he's working for you and he's working in you and he's working through you today. 
and that he's given you his peace. The ability to stand under, to walk through, to endure. He's given you that patience, the hupomone, and that he's working in you. I thank you, Father, that you are turning everything for our good and for your glory. And Lord, for that one here today that's just on the edge of giving up, maybe even the one who came in and said, I'm going to give this whole Jesus thing one more chance. Lord, I pray that today that the proclamation of truth has driven away discouragement and doubt. And hope is arising today. Hope, that the biblical idea is the expectation of a good end. The, the good end that you're turning, turning, turning. Lord, I do thank you for that. Now, with every head bowed while we're just here in the Lord's presence waiting for just one second, here's the most important thing someone can hear today. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered to Christ. You've never become a Jesus follower. You've been coming to church or, or you, maybe this is your first time ever and, and you thought that being a Christian was all about doing good and being good. But it's not. Being a Christian is about receiving. It's about being restored into that place that you were created to be in the beginning. That we were all created in his image, but we were, we were created to share his shape, but sin shattered that. But in Jesus Christ, we're being restored as the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That we can rest in him. And you're here and you'd say, Pastor Eddie, I would like to surrender to Jesus. I'd like to become a Jesus follower. If that's you, just put your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to pray for you, and then I'll give you some steps to see one of the leaders later. Say, I want to become a Jesus follower. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I want Jesus. I want to receive what he's done. Amen. Well, let's just pray this prayer together. Just write out loud. Help that person. Help them. Say this when we say, Father... I confessed, I've sinned, broken your ways, I need forgiveness, and I receive the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's my Savior and my Lord. Now fill me with your Spirit and empower me to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise. Pastor Johanna. Amen. Let's thank Pastor Eddie one more time. You know, if you come to this church, you know how much God loves you and how much you're worthy in his sight. But you know, what Pastor Eddie gave us today was practical way to actually walk through life. Amen? And it, not only a practical way, but he told you God's way. Biblical truths from the Scripture that will work. And I know, I don't know about the rest of you, but I have dealt with some pretty big problems in my life, and I'm sure there's more to come. <laughs> And so I appreciate you putting it in a very clear, concise, 
manner for us to understand. Well, as Pastor Eddie mentioned, he and Pastor Beth, they minister to people all over the country and the world. They minister in many different areas uh, from uh, marriages to counseling. I was real glad to hear you say that you counsel, that you teach leadership at Chick-fil-A. Well, that answers a lot of questions for me right there. Amen. Um, but so he's working in the action in the secular world in jobs and bringing the uh, Christ principles there. Um, they counsel. He's an author. He writes books. He ministers to in different churches. So they are busy all the time, and they are working for the kingdom of God. And we want to be able to support that. And we are going to support their ministry. But we want to give you the opportunity to sow into their ministry and support their ministry also. So. Uh, deacons, if you can come on up, we're going to allow, we're going to receive an offering for Pastor Eddie and Pastor Beth and for their ministry. Everything that you put in this will go directly to them. And uh, we just want to give you an opportunity to participate. So let's pray over this and let's pray over them. Okay. So Father, I just thank you for men and women of God, like Pastor Eddie and Pastor Beth, Lord God, who have given their lives to you to just bring forth your word to a dying world, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that they minister um, untiringly, Lord God, to just let people know of your love and your greatness in their life, Lord God, and that they go into all the places that you've called them to, to bring your light. And Father, we just speak blessing over them personally. We speak blessing over their ministry. I thank you for doors to open for them that they don't even see are there yet, Lord God, but doors to bring them into places, Father, where your light can be shined, that they that will not receive from anyone but from them, Lord. I thank you for everything that they're doing. And Lord, we ask that you just bless this offering that comes forth for them, that it just multiplies, that your kingdom um, is just multiplied through it, Lord. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you are led, please bring an offering to them. Also, um, I do. if you do want prayer individually, our elders will be here to pray with you and for you. And so we're going to go ahead and just uh, close with the offering here. And then we're going to go ahead and, and uh, let you all go. But if you need prayer, come up here. So you all be blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you.